Section 23 of Celebrated Travels and Travelers, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Piotr Nater. Celebrated Travels and Travelers, Volume 2. Great Navigators of the 18th Century. By Jules Verne. First Part, Chapter 5, Part 2. Captain Cook's Third Voyage, 2B. On the 17th of January, Cook and Clerk cast anchor in a bay, called by the natives Karakakoa. The sails were unbent from the yard. The yards and the topmast struck. The vessels were crowded with visitors and surrounded by pirogues, and the shore was covered by a curious multitude. Cook had never previously seen so much excitement. Among the chiefs who came on board the resolution, a young man named Parea was soon remarked. He said he was Yakane, but it was not known that was the title of office, or if it suggested a degree of relationship or reliance with the king. However, he evidently had great authority over the common people. Some presents, opportunely given, attached him to the English, and he rendered them more than one service. If Cook, on his first visit to Hawaii, pronounced that the natives were little disposed to robbery, he was not of the same opinion this time. Their large numbers gave them many facilities for thieving trifles, and encouraged them to think that their larceny would not be punished. It became evident at last that they were encouraged by their chiefs, for several stolen objects were found in the possession of the latter. Parea and another chief named Kanena brought an old man on board whose name was Koa. He was very thin, and his body was covered with white scruff from immoderate use of ava. He was a priest. When he was presented to Cook, he put a sort of red mantle, which he had brought upon his shoulders, and gravely delivered a long discourse as he gave him a little pig. It was soon proved that it was intended as a form of adoration, for all the idols were clothed in similar stuff. The English were immensely astonished at the whimsical ceremonies of homage presented to Cook. They only understood them later, through the researches of the learned missionary Ellis. We shall give a brief account of his interesting discovery. It will make the recital of the events that followed plainer. According to tradition, a certain Rono, who lived under one of the ancient kings of Hawaii, had killed his wife, whom he tenderly loved, in a transport of jealousy. The grief and sorrow which followed upon his act drove him mad. He ran about the island, quarrelling with and striking everybody. At last, tired out but not satiated with murder, he embarked, promising to return one day upon a floating island, bringing coconuts, pigs, and dogs. This legend had been embodied in a national song, and became an article of faith with the priests, who added Rono to their list of deities. Confident in the fulfillment of the prediction, they awaited his coming every year, with a patience which nothing could exhaust. Is not there a strange resemblance between this legend and that relating to the Mexican god Quetzalcoatl, who, forced to fly from the wrath of a more powerful god, embarked upon a skiff of serpent skin, promising those who accompanied him to return at some later time and visit the country with his descendants? As soon as the English ships appeared, the high priest Koa and his son Onela declared that it was Rono himself, fulfilling his prediction. From that moment, Cook was a divinity for the entire population. As he went about, the natives prostrated themselves. The priests made him speeches or addressed prayers to him. They would have sprinkled him with incense had that been fashionable at Hawaii. 
the captain felt that there was something extraordinary in these demonstrations but unable to understand it he resigned himself for the sake of the crew and for the advancement of science to the mysterious circumstances he was unable to unravel he was obliged to give himself up to all kinds of ceremonies which appeared to him at least ridiculous thus he was taken to a morai a solid construction of stone forty rods long and fourteen high the summit was well built and was surrounded by a wooden balustrade upon which were hung the ears of the captives sacrificed to the gods at the opening of the platform were two large wooden figures with grinning faces and bodies draped in red stuff the heads surmounted by a large piece of sculpted wood the shape of a reversed cone there koa mounted with cook upon a sort of table under which lay a rotten pig and a quantity of fruit some men brought a living pig in a procession and some scarlet cloth in which it was wrapped the priests then sang some religious hymns while the assistants were devoutly prostrated at the entrance of the morai after various ceremonies which it would take too long to describe a pig cooked in the oven was presented to the captain with fruits and the roots which were used in the preparation of ava the ava says cook was then handed round and when he had tasted it koa and parea divided the flesh of the pig into several pieces which they placed in their mouths i felt no repugnance when parea who is very clean gave me something to eat says lieutenant king but cook to whom koa offered the same attention could not swallow a morsel as he thought of the putrid pig the old man wishing to redouble his politeness tried to give him pieces already chewed and one can easily imagine that the disgust of our captain increased after the ceremony cook was conducted to his boat by four men carrying sticks who repeated the same words and phrases as at the landing in the midst of a kneeling host of the natives the same ceremonies were observed every time the captain landed one of the priests always walked before him announcing that rono had landed and ordering the people to prostrate themselves if the english had reasons to feel satisfied with the priests who loaded them with attentions and presents it was otherwise with the caries or warriors the latter encouraged the robberies which were perpetrated daily and in other ways exhibited disloyalty still up to the twenty fourth of january seventeen seventy nine no important event occurred upon that day the english were surprised to see that none of the pirogues left the river to trade with the ships the arrival of terreobo had made the bay taboo and prevented any communication with the strangers upon the same day the chief or rather king went without ceremony to the ships he had but one pirogue in which were his wife and children on the twenty sixth terreobo paid a second visit which was official cook says the narrative noticing that the prince landed followed him and arrived about the same time he conducted them to the tent they were scarcely seated when the prince rose and in a graceful manner threw his mantle over the captain's shoulders he further placed a hat of feathers upon his head and a curious fan in cook's hands at whose feet he also spread five or six very pretty mantles of great value terreobo and the principal chiefs of his suit asked many questions of the english as to the time of their leaving the captain wished to ascertain the opinion the hawaiians had formed of the english but he could only learn that they supposed them to be the natives of a country where provisions were scarce and that they had simply come there to fill their stomachs this conviction arose from the emaciated appearance of some of the sailors 
and from the desire to ship fresh victuals there was no fear however of exhausting their provisions in spite of the immense quantity which had been consumed since the english arrived it is very likely that the king wished for time to prepare the present he intended to offer the strangers upon their leaving and accordingly the day before the one fixed upon the king begged captains cook and clerk to accompany him to his residence enormous heaps of every kind of vegetable parcels of stuff yellow and red feathers and a herd of pigs were collected together all of this was a gratuitous gift to the king from his subjects terreobo chose about a third of these articles and gave the rest to the two captains a more valuable present than they had ever received either at tonga or tahiti on the fourth of february the vessels left the bay but the damage received by the resolution forced her to put in again in a few days the vessels had scarcely cast anchor before the english noticed a change in the conduct of the natives still all went on peaceably until the afternoon of the thirteenth upon that day several chiefs wished to prevent the natives from assisting the english in filling their casks a tumult ensued the natives armed themselves with stones and became threatening the officer in command of the detachment was ordered by cook to draw upon the natives if they persisted in throwing stones or became insolent under these circumstances a pirogue was fired into and it was soon apparent that a robbery had been committed by its crew at the same time a still more serious dispute arose a sloop belonging to parea was seized by an officer who took it to be the discovery the chief hastened to claim his belongings and to protest his innocence the discussion grew animated and parea was overthrown by a blow from an oar the natives who had hitherto been peaceable observers armed themselves with stones forced the sailors to retire precipitately and took possession of the pinas which had brought them parea forgetful of his resentment at the moment interposed and restored the pinas to the english together with several things which had been stolen i am afraid the indians will force me to violent measures said cook upon learning what had passed we must not allow them to believe that they have gained an advantage over us the boat of the discovery was stolen upon the thirteenth or fourteenth of february the captain determined to possess himself of the person of terreobo or some other of the leading persons and to keep them as hostages until the stolen objects were restored to him he therefore landed with a detachment of marines and pursued his way to the king's residence he was received with the usual marks of respect on the road and perceiving terreobo and his two sons to whom he said a few words on the theft of the sloop he decided to pass the day on board the resolution the matter took a happy turn and the two young princes embarked upon the pinnace when one of terreobo's wives begged him with tears not to go on board two other chiefs joined her and the natives frightened by the hostile preparations they saw began to crowd round the king and captain the latter hurried to embark and the prince appeared willing to follow him but the chiefs interposed and used force to prevent his doing so cook seeing that his project had failed and that he could only put it into execution by bloodshed gave it up and walked quietly along the shore to regain his boat when a rumour spread that one of the principal chiefs had been killed the women and children were therefore sent away and all directed their attention to the english a native armed with a pahoa defied the captain and as he would not cease his threats cook discharged his pistol 
the native protected by a thick mat did not feel himself wounded and so became more audacious several others advanced and the captain discharged his gun at the nearest and killed him this was the signal for a general attack the last that was seen of cook was his signing to the boats to cease firing and to approach that his small troop might embark in vain the captain was struck and fell to the earth the natives says the narrative uttered cries of joy when they saw him fall they at once dragged his body along the shore and taking the poniard one after the other they all attacked him with ferocious blows until he ceased to breathe thus perished this great navigator assuredly the most illustrious produced by england the boldness of his undertakings his perseverance in carrying them out and the extent of his knowledge all made him a type of the true sailor of discovery what immense service he had rendered to geography in his first voyage he reconnoitred the society islands proved that new zealand is formed of two islands explored the strait that separated them and surveyed its coast and lastly he visited the entire eastern coast of new holland in his second voyage he proved the chimerical character of the long talked of antarctic continent the dream of stay-at-home geographers he discovered new caledonia southern georgia the sandwich islands and penetrated farther into the southern hemisphere than any one had done before him in his third expedition he discovered the hawaiian archipelago and surveyed the eastern coast of america to the forty-third degree that is to say an extent of three thousand five hundred miles he passed through bering straits and ventured into the arctic sea which was the horror of navigators until the icebergs opposed an impenetrable barrier to his progress it is needless to praise his qualities as a seaman his hydrographical works remain but above all his careful treatment of his crews deserves to be remembered to it was due their ability to bear the long and trying voyages which he made with so little loss of life after this fatal day the english folded their tents and returned on board their offers for the recovery of the body of their unfortunate captain were in vain in their anger they were about to have recourse to arms when two priests friends of lieutenant king brought a piece of human flesh at the instance of the other chiefs which weighed from nine to ten pounds it was all they said that remained of rono's body which had been burned according to custom this sight of course made the english still more anxious for reprisals and the natives on their side had to avenge the death of five chiefs and a score of men every time the english landed at their wandering place they found a furious crowd armed with stones and sticks in order to make an example captain clerk who had taken the command of the expedition set fire to the abodes of the priests and massacred those who opposed them on the nineteenth of february however an interview was arranged and the remains of cook his hands recognizable by a large scar his head stripped of flesh and various other debris were made over to the english who three days later paid them the last honours after that barter was resumed as if nothing had happened and no other incident occurred during the remainder of the stay in the sandwich islands captain clerk had relinquished the command of the discovery to lieutenant gore and hoisted his flag upon the resolution after completing the survey of the hawaiian islands he set sail for the north touched at kamchatka where the russians made him heartily welcome passed through bering strait and advanced as far as latitude sixty nine degrees fifty minutes north where his further progress was barred by icebergs 
on the twenty second of april captain clerk died of pulmonary phthisis aged thirty eight captain gordon assumed the command in chief put in again at kamchatka again at canton and at the cape of good hope and anchored in the thumbs on the first of october seventeen eighty after more than four years absence the death of captain cook caused a general mourning throughout england the royal society of london of which he was a member struck a medal in his honour the cost of which was covered by public subscription to which persons of the highest rank subscribed the admiralty petitioned the king to provide for the family of the deceased captain the king granted a pension of two hundred pounds to his widow and twenty-five pounds to each of his three sons the charts and drawings relating to his last voyage were engraved at the expense of the government and the proceeds of their sale divided among cook's family and the heirs of captain clerk and captain king although the family of the great navigator is extinct a proof of the esteem in which his memory is held was given in the solemn meeting of the french geographical society on the fourth of february eighteen seventy nine a large number assembled to celebrate the centenary of cook's death amongst them were many representatives of the australian colonies which are now so flourishing and of the hawaiian archipelago where he met his death a quantity of relics belonging to the great navigator his charts weber's magnificent watercolors and the instruments and weapons of the oceanic islanders decorated the walls this touching homage after the lapse of a hundred years was accorded by a people whose king had bidden them not to thwart cook's scientific and civilizing mission and was well calculated to awake an echo in england and to draw yet closer the bonds of that good fellowship which exists between england and france End of section twenty three